You're listening to the Spiro Avenue Show. If you like what you hear, please follow us on Apple Podcasts. You can also watch our full shows and clips and highlights on Facebook and YouTube. Thank you for watching, and I hope you enjoy. The Smuggler's Son. The Smuggler's Son wine is the finest wine in the world. And if you don't believe me, why don't you just try it yourself? After 10 years, Virgil's Vineyard is introducing a new wine, the California Sparkling Wine for the Holidays. I just ordered a couple of these for myself. I've heard it's fantastic, but I can vouch for, for this Michigan-based wine company that produces out in Napa, but the owner's born and raised in Michigan, is their classic Cabernet, which happens to be over my shoulder. You'll see throughout the show today, the original Smuggler Sun red wine is fantastic, and they're offering an excellent deal for listeners of this program. You can go to their website, virgilsvineyard.com. Get a whole bunch of it. There's not that much of that sparkling. It's very limited release. Get a whole bunch of this wine. Use the discount promo code SPIRO for a 10% discount at checkout. This wine is fantastic. You'll have to trust me. Try it. You'll love it. Guaranteed. That aside, wonderful wine aside, which I could spend the whole hour talking about Smuggler's Son. It is that good. We have a major, major, major story going on in the state of Michigan today. Michigan is on uh, the grand stage for all in college football. The top story on ESPN.com just a few hours ago, all over SportsCenter, the Jim Harbaugh news. Or maybe it's the lack of Jim Harbaugh news. This visit today was planned well in advance with my good friend across from me. And I didn't know this stuff was going to go down. So Michigan-Ohio State announced today that that game's off. Jim Harbaugh goes in front of the media with the athletic director, Ward Manuel, and they are naturally pressed on the contract issue. And they said they're going to wait till the end of the season. I have not known what to make of the Jim Harbaugh era from day one. I have been flailing. I have gotten the Jim Harbaugh era wrong from not only the day it started, but from before it started. And I will tell you, I got a big mouth. I say a lot of stuff. And when you have a show and you're filling content, you say even more stuff. And you're bound to have some doozies mixed in. And my Jim Harbaugh library could end my credibility if that's all you looked at. <laughs> it's the most pitiful display. And we'll humble ourselves early tonight. I'm going to throw out a few examples. I was terrified of Jim Harbaugh openly as a Michigan State fan. Terrified when the news was out there that they were pursuing him and that negotiations were proceeding back at the end of 2014. So we'll pull out this tweet, me being horrified, and we'll read it for the listening audience that can't view it. Uh, ben, can you throw that tweet up there for audience? This is your boy here, December 17th, 2014. I hate Michigan as much as the next MSU guy, but acting like Jim Harbaugh wouldn't be a terrifying hire is beyond disingenuous. Exactly where I stood. That deal was on the doorstep. It didn't take much longer for them to eventually hire Jim Harbaugh and my anxiety through the roof. I was a mess. Let's roll the next one. I was in a bad state of mind. And this is back when Michigan State was in, in good shape. Next tweet, January 17, 2015, almost a month later. The best hirings in Michigan sports history. Number one with a bullet. 
Jim Harbaugh to the University of Michigan, and then I mentioned D'Antonio to MSU, Scotty Bowman to the Red Wings, and another doozy, Von D, inside joke, Stan Van Gundy to the Pistons. At least Van Gundy was only number four. So your boy here, who you love, who you forgive for his trespasses, as he forgives those who trespassed against him, said that Jim Harbaugh was the best hire in the state of Michigan in the history of sports. Pro, college, high school, middle school, girls volleyball. That was my position. And I couldn't have been more wrong. The one solace is I wasn't alone. There were a hundred tweets we were going through, a hundred articles we were parsing through in show prep for this. We'll pull up one. Mike Freeman, USA Today. This is his tweet. This is what he thought right at the end of uh, that negotiation that landed Harbaugh here. Quote, Harbaugh will have Michigan in the title game within three years. I said it. End quote. I was not alone. That is USA Today. Mike Freeman and I weren't alone. Bruce Feldman, respected writer for Fox Sports and The Athletic, called it, quote, a true home run hire by Michigan. So you get the idea. That is as stupid as I look now. At least I wasn't the only stupid person out there. And I... The thing, the thing with me is when I'm wrong about something, I'm usually pretty good at diagnosing the cause. I can kind of lay out, this is what I got wrong. Like with Stan Van Gundy, I didn't consider the guy had never had personnel control and that he just might be a terrible general manager. We had no evidence to suggest that he was competent. At least I know why I got that wrong. I sit here tonight having no clue why I'm wrong about Jim Harbaugh, even though I've been wrong for five years straight and counting, as it were. So I brought in someone that I think gets this, certainly gets it more than I do, a guy I respect, a a smart Michigan fan who gives you the rational take. It is the only Michigan podcast I listen to. He is the host of the Mason Brew podcast, SB Nation producer, Anthony Broom. Welcome to Spiro Avenue. Help me make sense of this. How are you? I can't. All right. Good night, everyone. No, it's... um... We're six years into this now. I still don't know how to explain it. Um, you know, and it goes to show you there may not be such thing as a home run hire in any sport, especially college sports, where a lot of things have to go your way, and a lot of things haven't gone Michigan's way there. So, like I said, I think I think I've diagnosed this. I've been going through this a couple of weeks now because I mean, I'll be honest. It feels like if this isn't the end, it's you know the the cliffhanger right before the season finale. It feels like, especially with what's gone on this season, that change, change is obviously needed there. And it might just be something that's a, a, a bad relationship that's run its course or just a relationship that's run its course. You said a lot of things have gone wrong. I mean, obviously, we all know it's self-evident that the record against Ohio State is appalling. The record against Michigan State is mediocre at best. So those things are on their face, uh, you know, the evidence for an underwhelming performance. We don't need to really break that down. Mm. Like Being winless against Ohio State's a disaster. You don't even have to play them to 500. They're a machine. But Mark D'Antonio beat them a couple times as a huge underdog. But, like, why hasn't it worked? We know it hasn't. But why do you think it hasn't? Where, Where is the breakdown to where they're not, having anywhere near the results that were expected by me and so many others. I think the biggest thing is that it's not just one thing or one or two things that you can just quickly diagnose. I I think, and I think we've talked about this before when we were arranging this, it's really a lot of 
micro cuts or paper cuts along the way. And this probably goes back to even as early as that 2017 season, which a lot of us said, oh, they went eight and four. That's easily the best or the worst season that they'll ever have under Jim Harbaugh. Well, we're <laughs> that's egg on our face now. Um, I think there are, there are a couple major things. First and foremost, the quarterback whisperer hasn't hasn't produced anything there. And there have been guys that have been good, but good quarterbacks will win you eight, nine, ten games in college football. We've seen that. Um, you know, Michigan State has had guys like that. Um, but they haven't had that guy that pushes you over the edge. The only quarterback that's been drafted is uh, Jake Rudock, who was an Iowa transfer, and he had really four or five good games at the end of the season. So that's, for as much as made, as made about that, there is tons of merit to that. Uh, and part of that issue is that, you know, this is, believe it or not, coming into this season, this was the first time, this is year six, mind you, the first time that a Jim Harbaugh recruited quarterback out of high school started a game, which is six years. I mean, that's closer to being there for a decade than it is since you were hired. So that that's the biggest thing. And I think a lot of it has to go back to the recruiting of the quarterbacks. They brought in a lot of guys where I think they can go, a lot of tools here. Uh, but maybe, you know, coaching three or four years, we're putting this guy in the league. None of those guys have panned out. Brandon Peters petered out, for lack of a better uh, term. Pun not intended, but I guess there you go. It's there now. <laughs> um, Dylan McCaffrey is a guy who we thought was positioned to start this year and then opted out. No one really knows what happened there. Uh, but someone else who every time he was given an opportunity to play, he had a collarbone injury a couple years ago. He got knocked out of the Wisconsin game last year when it looked like they had turned the page from Shea Patterson. And then, you know, he opts out. Joe Milton doesn't quite pan out either. And now you're going to a guy in, in Cade McNamara who, to his credit, is probably the most college-ready quarterback prospect that Harbaugh has brought in. But, you know, an injury happens and then this COVID outbreak happens and then you're left with where we are today, where if they were playing this game on Saturday, they'd be starting a fourth string true freshman quarterback and running out of the wildcat with, you know, they're, they're starting running back and the guy who's playing one of the linebacker spots. I, I just, I don't understand how all this money that was spent. And I, to me, you can really break this down to one set of criteria and maybe this is over oversimplifying it perhaps, but just as an outside observer, when they made that hire, they were getting their teeth kicked in by Ohio State for years. Michigan State had taken control of the rivalry in-state, but to me, you can break it down to that Ohio State program. I think that was the benchmark where, okay, maybe we don't play in the 500, but we can compete. Maybe we're in Indianapolis every third year, fourth year, and by that measure, the Ohio State measure, were, which I, they didn't say it, but that was my perception, was he was hired to get them to that level or close. They that's are, what the price tag would suggest. Exactly. I mean, it's like that's the best argument you can make. It's like we're, we're paying Ohio State money in terms of the coaching salary and, and the autonomy that we're giving Jim Harbaugh to run this program. He basically doesn't have a boss up there. I mean, he's been fully autonomous from my understanding in running it. But at the end of the day, he was brought here for that reason above all else. And they are farther away from competing with Ohio State than the day he got here. And that is, I mean, how deep are we into this contract? Like 40 plus million? I'm trying to do the math on the top of my head. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's shocking to me. Do you see a path 
where this program can compete with Ohio State within five years? I mean, are they going to win once in the next five years in that game? It's hard to say. I mean, it, it, it wouldn't have happened this year. I think we're all pretty confident in saying that. Yes. And then next year, probably not. So then you're talking about three years from now. Um, I don't see it. I, it's just that I think the window closed for them because the 2016 game was definitely a huge turning point in all this because let's just say you don't go to overtime, you close that game out when you should have. But even the spot in overtime, if that is a fourth down stop, you win that game. That's the rip in the multiverse that changes everything. Because you just went into Columbus, beat them, probably go to Indy, and you made the playoff in year two under Harbaugh. That changes everything. That's where you're talking about them starting to recruit at an Ohio State. And they're still recruiting even this year. They have a class that ranks, I think, number ninth, uh, nine in the country before they sign on Wednesday, which is a whole other ordeal given what's going on right now. Um, The window of opportunity it's it feels like not it's not only closed it's slammed shut and your fingers are trapped in the window now because you know you've had you've had a chance twice now if someone told you we're going to hire Jim Harbaugh it's December 2014 within 2 years and 4 years you're going to go into Columbus with a shot to go to Indy people would have taken that and even up until um I, not only would they have taken that i think they'd have been thrilled with that and even up until, and this is where I think the, real, the, the, the biggest turning point happens, is that Ohio State game in 2018. Because if you get off the bus and you even, you know, forget winning the game, you just don't get your, you know, donkey kicked like they did. Um, I think that's the game to where that was such a demoralizing loss. You had won 10 straight games coming off of that loss to start the year at Notre Dame. And it felt like, you know, 2017 was a step backward, but they were young. They had the quarterback problems. It really felt like that they had gotten that fire back. That was the revenge tour year. And you go into that game as favorites against an Ohio State team that honestly was probably their most vulnerable team you know, since, since Urban Meyer was hired. And you just get absolutely lambasted. And since then, it's been a, it just seems like they're trying to dig out of a hole that it just keeps getting deeper with each setback. So. Um, I I really do feel like that opportunity kind of passed them by because even after 2016, you go into 2018, all the pieces were there. Um, you know, so much, a lot of pro talent on both sides of the ball. That was just, I don't know what happened from Monday to Friday, but they got off the bus in Columbus and did just the deer in the headlights look was back. And it's something that stayed with them. You know, since that game, they're 11 and 10, their last 21 games. The point I was at, and I'm glad you mentioned the 2018 game against Ohio State, because I can only speak for myself, but as someone who liked Harbaugh, couldn't say I was rooting for him once he got to Michigan, but <laughs> really respected him and liked him in the NFL and even kind of liked his act. And I, I think he's amusing. I like characters. But the 2018 game against Ohio State was the turning point for me as someone just even as a quote unquote neutral observer where I said, ooh, this might not be working out, how we all thought. That was the first time. There was reason to have doubts before, you know, Mike Villani, who Michigan Nation hates, but he was on it pretty early that this wasn't going to work out. I was a little late, but that was my point. Anecdotal, sure, but the people in my circle really have not backed off this Harbaugh thing working until this year. I don't know who you roll with. I just know who I roll with. I know what my water cooler looks like. (laughs) My sense is, 
even two years ago, people were still saying like, he's the guy we're, we're all in on Jim Harbaugh, your podcast this year. I mean, if you like Michigan, I recommend it because it'll really make you feel like you have some camaraderie in the suffering. Thank you. If, if you, That's the highest compliment you could give us. Well, right it, now. It, but I was, <laughs> hold on. Don't love me yet. I was going to say, if you're a Michigan State guy, you guys sound like a bunch of guys at the bar that are just miserable. And I've been there, man. I, I get it. But it seems like your fan base, and I know you're not the spokesman for the entire large fan base of the University of Michigan, but is your sense that people are kind of done with him there? It seems like you are from your tone on the podcast that I listen to. Yeah, I think this is. Even coming off of last year, you can make the argument, you know, it wasn't good early. You were switching to a new offense. But as the year went on, uh, again, shocking, until the Ohio State game, improvements were made. And um, so I was very much in wait-and-see mode. Um, But when you come out this year, and I I get it, the opt-outs hurt. The injuries hurt. Um, What they lost from the roster last year hurts. And, like I said, I mean... I'm not going to get a lot of sympathy in the room I'm sitting in right now, but that Michigan State <laughs> game was honestly maybe the worst loss that Michigan has had. I mean, people will say Appalachian State, but since the Toledo game in 2008, the three and nine year, so that, that was a really bad loss. And I think that was the breaking point for a lot of people. And then um, that's where I think, I really do think the tide started to turn after that game because they were always the people that said, you know, He's graduating kids at a high rate. They're winning nine to 10 games a year. I mean, there are probably 10 schools in the entire country where that's not acceptable. Um, and things were pretty stable there. And just the way they've looked this year, um, it looks, they, they'll say Monday through Friday practices are great. Guys are showing great effort. It, it just, you don't see that on the field. There's a disconnect between what they're, what, what's happening during the week and what happens on Saturday and that the gap this year, it's been alarming. Um, and when you've been, when you've been on a roster, some of these guys were on the 2016 team. You've seen that loss at Ohio state. You've seen losses to Penn state, Michigan state in 2017. You were on the 2018 team. You lost four games last year. I think at some point it just kind of snowballs on you. And what I've seen is even the most level headed and, and people I really truly do respect and, and, you know, look to them for being level-headed on things. They just kind of want this to be over. Honestly, that's where we're at right now. I, there's very, there's very few people who I think if you want Harbaugh to return, that can really justify why that should be the case right now. And I don't know what the argument is. I mean, you see this moving of the goalposts mm-hmm. that, you know, we've talked about on this show repeatedly where, you know, Joe Klatt, other Jim Harbaugh apologists will say, oh, you know, he's got him back to that 9-10 and 10 win plateau. Like, yeah. that's what they always were. They were never supposed to be more. The whole point of hiring Jim Harbaugh was to get beyond that. That wasn't what they signed up for. No, that's not what they signed up for. That's not what they sold. That's certainly not what they paid for. I would be pissed if I were a Michigan fan. But this idea that it's unreasonable for the University of Michigan fan base to have any expectation of making the college football playoff is insane. Is Michigan State, my dear Michigan State Spartan program, (laughs) a better brand, a better program than the University of Michigan? I would love to lie to you. I would love to tell you that we have a bigger endowment. Not true. That we have a better history. Also not true. Michigan is a better brand with deeper pockets. And Michigan State got to the college football playoff and beat two very 
uh, high-end Urban Meyer teams, both of which, but for that loss against Michigan State, would have been in the playoff and it could have won the whole thing. I mean, Ohio's one of them. Ohio State was right before the playoff. But Michigan State denied an undefeated Urban Meyer team twice for playing for a national title. And that's Michigan State, you know, the, the yeah. pesky Spartans. So if we can do it, why can't you? The answer is you can or you should be able to. Am I crazy? You would think that, you know, they say a broken clock is right twice a day still. So you would think that, again, that's where it's so frustrating that, you know, that, that game in 2016, for as much as we talk about the spot and all that, I think Michigan had like five total yards of offense in the fourth quarter of that game. Yeah. That's not you have to do a better job. And when you, when I go back and, and outside of this year, which has been a total disaster from top to bottom, you go back and you look at a lot of these losses or a lot of the problems that they've had. Uh, and this is where a lot of people like to bring up that, that Brian Kelly uh, 2016 season at Notre Dame is, Oh, he went four and eight. He nuked the staff and look where they're at now. They played competitive games that year and they needed to shake things up. They did. And obviously they are what they are now pushing for, what would be their second playoff in three years. The problem with Michigan this year is that it's been a culmination of all of the self-inflicted wounds that really have been building up over the last, you know, you are what your record says you are. You're 11 and 10 over your last 21 games. Um, so that's just kind of, it's the common refrain I keep using these last number of weeks, but it's where we're at right now. Whether it's Jim Harbaugh doing it or Matt Campbell doing it, or my producer, Ben Augusta, doing it. Just <laughs> in general, whoever's got the headset on at your school, are you content with this 9-3, and 10-2, and two and just getting pounded by Ohio State? Is that, is that, that moving to the goalpost? Are you happy with that? I mean, well, To me, it's all about how it looks, right? It's an 8-4 and four where you get shelled in, four, in your four toughest games of the year. I don't want that. But if, if, you're tr- if Michigan is truly saying, or if the message is, listen, we're not willing to get in the mud with some of these other teams. We're going to be that nine or ten win team. That's if they'll never come out and say that. But if that's I'm asking you, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. No, that's if you're playing. If you look like you want to be there, I can at least respect the effort. But when they lose these games, are some they're some of the worst efforts. Honestly, I mean, it's not a hot take to say in the history of Michigan football, at least in the history that I've been watching. Yeah, I mean, it's, I've never seen anything like I've seen this year. It, it's so embarrassing. And, you know, I, I, it's, it's weird to me because I didn't know where you stood on that, which is why I asked. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I have a, a bigger want for their success just on principle than you do. Well, it's like, don't you want to go to Indianapolis? I'll, pref- I'll preface it with this. I'm not a Michigan man by trade. I went to Central Michigan there. We're happy if you go eight and four and the coach comes to the dorms and hands out pizzas, you know, every once in a while. It's very um, friendly up there. Mal- <laughs> yeah. Mal- yeah, it's a little bit different. Expectations way, are a little been, bit different. I've been very pleased with Jim McElwain for all the Central Michigan fans out there. Been doing a great job. I actually wanted Jim McElwain to come to Michigan State before I even like knew who Mel Tucker was. <laughs> I was like the only one in all of Michigan that was like, hey, look at Jim Mack. He was actually pretty good if you like ignore the fact that he lied about his wife getting harassed <laughs> in Florida and stuff. But anyway, no, I, I that's fine. But I never bought that like you can't root for Michigan. So you don't even have no. to go into that argument. But the point is you do mm. I, I mean you do a show on this program. Yeah. You know, you obviously care. Mm. I just 
I got to tell you, man, Indianapolis is a lot of fun. I've done it, I've done, I've done <laughs> That's it what couple, I've heard. I've done it a couple <laughs> I'd love times. to go. <laughs> We've won two of the three. Yeah. It's just, I don't get it. And, you know, you backing up, you mentioned that you're kind of done. The people around you are kind of done. You're kind of fed up with it, which makes this day in the history of Michigan football so interesting because they go in front of the media and they're talking ostensibly about the cancellation of the Ohio State-Michigan game for the first time in 100 years. Yeah. Obviously, unprecedented, crazy. But naturally, the line of questioning is going to drift into, you're basically a lame duck. I mean, you're, next year would be the lame duck year. I don't remember in history a major college coach being a true lame duck. Nobody does it because it kills your program. You well, can't do it. Coming into this year, Jim Harbaugh was the only Power 5 head coach that had less than two years on his contract. See, this is why so you're here, to, this is to not, bring this perspective. Pandemic or not, that's not normal. No. And, and when guys get extended, um, you know, before Minnesota's season ended last year, they extended P.J. Fleck through like 2026. They, they tacked seven years onto that deal. And I'm sure that's... You know, to add the buyout stuff to the deal, and because he will get poached away at some point. But when you're extending coaches, it doesn't happen this late, and it doesn't happen under the terms that are currently being rumored or reported, which is that a three-year deal is reportedly on the table. They wouldn't address this today. Obviously, it was all about the COVID stuff. It's a three. Apparently, what has been laid out by Michigan is it's a three-year incentive-laden deal with a lower buyout, which to me. A three-year extension only puts you in this situation next year, especially if you're going into it under the premise that this was obviously a cratering year. Next year's a rebuilding year. Maybe you win eight or nine games again. You're right back in this situation next year. So when you talk about a three-year deal, really what it is is three one-year deals. And that's not that stability if you're looking to sign a recruiting class, you know, eight days from now. That's not that's not stability. That's kicking the can down the road, which... And not even that far. It's like no. nudging it down. It's not Pele kicking that can down the road. Yeah. It's my four-year-old daughter. <laughs> it's nudging it down a few inches. Yeah. And it's such a good point. I, I just, I don't know what they're doing because I can understand either door. I mm. can understand this guy is a Michigan legend. He still has an incredible overall body of work going back to his days at the University of San Diego. His body work is overall still impressive for all the qualms we have. Mm -hmm. So I understand if you go the, we're back in it, maybe we don't pay him $9 million or whatever, but we're back in it five years, whatever. We're on, giddy up. I get that. I would get the, hey, Jim, you might want to take that offer in Jacksonville or wherever. I mean, you know, it's, it's go back to the NFL. What I don't get is door number three, which they have run right through, where you don't pick door one or two. Here's my thing. The, if the idea is that you were always going to extend, why are you waiting? Why now? Yeah. And I get like, cause I said this on our show over the weekend is that, so if I get that they were talking during the pandemic, they had something on the table. And then when it started, it got pushed to the back burner. I get that. There's probably a PR hit you take with that. But if he's your guy, you swallow that because you're Michigan. And despite losing whatever it is, $60, $80 million they'll lose this year, you can stomach that. Now you're going to take the PR hit. You might lose some recruits. And to be frank, you suck. So it's it, it, the, fact that, the fact that Michigan has waited as long as they have, that we're standing here today 
it's, you know, whatever it is, December 8th, uh, they sign, they start signing this 2021 class in eight days. And the fact that when someone asks today about, you know, are you guys worried about negative recruiting? Oh, well, negative recruiting happens all the time. And then Ward Manuel goes on to give a one minute diatribe about how Ohio State would be a deserving champion, a, deserves to be in the playoff. It's you basically just gave Ohio State recruit, you know, negative recruiting ammo. Not that they have to negatively recruit. I mean, that's their Ohio State. So if you're if you're always if you were always going to extend, I don't know why we're here right now. Um, and both sides are culpable in that. And I think that when you look at it from all angles, the the going theory in Michigan circles is that Harbaugh wants to be back. He wants to take this on. He wants to, you know, bet on himself, quote unquote. That's been the message to recruits. If that's the case, this deal that's on the table will get signed and they'll figure it out next year. At the same time, if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I'm going, listen, if I'm your guy, let's do this five-year deal. Make the, like, let's, let's jump right in. Let's get this figured out. Because what you're looking at now is that, you know, not only, like, they're going to nuke the coaching staff regardless because six of their assistants are up after this year. So there are going to be changes anyways. And um, I really do think, you know, the lack of stability is going to impact your ability to maybe hire the best guy you can get because maybe there is a, a Joe Brady type out there who might be interested in, in making that next step, doing what Joe Brady did at LSU are you going to come there if you're not sure if Harbaugh's there the next year? Or are you more willing to hitch your wagon to that if he's going to be there, you know, the next three, four, five years? That's part of it. Now, from Michigan's point of view, you can justify this because honestly, with what they're paying him, it should be, if you want to come back, let's do it performance-based and let's evaluate if we get to where we think we should be. Um, you know, <laughs> be that as it may, what this really feels like to me. And this is just, I don't have inside info on this. This is me reading tea leaves. This feels like one of those high school relationships where both sides is afraid to make the first move. And that's, I, I think that's what we're dealing with right now. And I, th I do, I'll go on the record today. I think Jim Harbaugh will be coaching there in 2021 and probably longer. But with each day that passes, it feels like it gets a little bit less likely. Uh, because if the deal's on the table, like I said, with each day that keeps going, you get closer to having to sign that class. And I'm just not, I'm sorry, I've seen it happen to other schools. It's just not cool to sign guys and then make that decision because then guys don't really know what they're signing up for. Yeah, and you know nobody at Michigan State would ever do that. Our football coach is a stand-up <laughs> guy that, that would never leave kids high and dry. Now, you made an interesting point with the, which I had never considered, the recruitment of ancillary staff, coordinators, even position coaches, and that being less appealing. Ward Manuel saying, oh, negative recruiting happens everywhere. That's not an excuse to make it easier for the people doing it. And no. they have done that. And the fact that they haven't had this buttoned up one way or another, hey, look, I know there's COVID going on. There's COVID going on for everybody else. There's no excuse to be a clown show. There's an excuse to have hiccups. There's an excuse to have uh, some ups and downs. There's no excuse to run a, a program like this with an endowment at a school like this. It's, it's an absolute embarrassment. I, I, I should love it, but I'm kind of mad on principle. It's like, it's just, can you please figure this out? I don't know how they don't have a better 
idea of where this is going. You said you're done. You said what you think is going to happen, that he will be back probably on one of these kind of rolling over 31-year deals. That's what you think will happen. What do you want to happen? Do you want him back? I've I've written this, so I'm not breaking news here or anything. I think it should come to an end, and I think it's worth, if next year's going to be a rebuilding year, I'm taking that chance on someone who can inject life into this program because, and this is where it gets complicated too, because COVID's here. Like, we don't know. I know there's supposed to be a vaccine in the spring. What if there's no spring football again? And then you find yourself in this situation that, you know, MSU found itself in where it affects your ability to recruit. It affects your ability to bring guys onto campus. And really, you know, Michigan's going to lose, I would think, a fair amount of guys from this team next year um, due to, you know, moving on to the NFL or just graduate. I know everyone, everything's kind of on a pause with eligibility. We don't know how that could sort it out, but it's going to be, arguably speaking, a less talented team than this year. So, like I said, I think at this point I'm willing to I'm willing to take that jump because I don't think it's that hard to get out of. Like Penn State is stuck right now. If they fire James Franklin, they pay like a $32 million buyout. They're, they're not doing that. And they won't do that. No. Um, no. So Michi- Michigan, it's as simple as, you know, I, I don't think they'll fire him. But if they kind of be like, hey, listen, maybe you should, if an NFL team calls, maybe you should answer it. Um, Let's be honest, too. Like, if they do fire him, which I don't see happening, it's only going to cost them the seven to ten million dollars it does to bring in a new head coach and bring in a staff. Um, like I said, if he walks away for nothing, it's it's kind of a. And this is something else I've said before: is that maybe by fighting to play football this year, what Michigan afforded itself the opportunity to do is to be able to afford to make changes if they have to. So, like I said, I, I really do think that. If there was going to be an extension, it should have been signed either after last season or even before last season. Once you change offensive coordinators, when you change offensive coordinators, that's a pretty big shift. Even at LSU, you know, they they didn't pop up to what they were last year overnight. Um, you know, Joe Burrow wasn't wasn't good at all the year before last year. So it takes time to kind of get that system in place. Especially Michigan's going, you know, they're going from a pro style old school offense to what essentially is a West coast spread passing attack. And that takes time. So if you're committing to letting him make that change, you get this extension done, not only earlier this off season, probably last off season. So again, it's just, it feels like I'm not sure if either side wants, wants any part to do with this right now. No, it's apparent. I, I have no idea what to make of it. And it's like, even if you get this thing back on track, is it back on track to where you're 9-3, and 10-2 and two and getting blasted in your two toughest games every year? Yeah. We've seen that movie again and again and again. And that's a perfect time to mention, speaking of movies. Our other sponsor for today, Imagine Theaters. Paul Glantz, CEO, great guy, good friend of the show. And if you're listening in Michigan, as I think 92% of our audience is, it's very sad because the movie theaters are going to be closed for another couple of weeks. But what you can do is go to Imagine's website, see it on your screen there. If you're listening, it's imagine slash entertainment.com. And you can get yourself a gift card and support this local Michigan business. They have actually some pretty sick deals on gift cards. So you can see 
all the movies you want. Next year is going to be wild because they've been holding everything back. So get yourself out there. Get yourself an Imagine gift card. Good friends of the show. And that movie theater is just awesome, by the way. We took our daughter to her first movie there. She saw Frozen 2, and it's like we're sitting in our living room. It's those reclining chairs. They have an awesome full bar there. It's just, it's really the only place I would even think of going at this point. I'm lucky there's one about 10 minutes from me. So check them out. Imagine slash entertainment.com. Highly recommend them. Good deals on gift cards. Good friends of the show. Support them. Great guys and uh, just the best place to go. So we've seen the movie again and again with Michigan getting bombed at the end of the season. The fact that I don't know how familiar you are with Greek mythology. We have a couple uh, phoenixes on the wall in the studio. (laughs) I'm Greek. Yeah, thank you, Ben. Yeah, I, I got there's one right there and there's one over my shoulder. I love Greek mythology. And there's this character called Sisyphus that would be climbing up the mountain and he almost gets there and then he gets kicked back down. Michigan feels like they're at the bottom of that mountain. And it's like, even if they get all the way back to the top, can they get to the very top and beat Ohio state? We talked about it. I don't see it. I don't see, I mean, if Jim Harbaugh's here 10 more years, he might go one and nine. I mean, you might pop them, but they just seem like there's such a far gap. You said that if you had your druthers, you want them to move on. You're done. Fresh start. But what does that look like? Who is a reasonable candidate? Because that's the answer. Everyone always says, oh, who do you want instead? Which is the worst excuse ever to continue to tolerate mediocrity. That's the line I hear. Mm -hmm. You're running this thing. Michigan's got deep pockets, especially if Harbaugh walks of his own accord and goes to the NFL. You have even deeper pockets. You can have almost anyone you want in terms of salary. Who's reasonable? I saw Urban Meyer by some Michigan fan. That's not reasonable. He's not going to Texas. He's not coming to Michigan. Period. Well, he's, he would never come to Michigan. The other name, and not to jump into your uh, you know, chair, but I'm hearing Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle hates Michigan. I would be stunned. Less stunned than Urban Meyer, but I think those guys are non-starters for this conversation. You can feel free to disagree. But who is the guy? Is it Matt Campbell? That's kind of who people have rallied around. And, and it comes down to the fact that Matt Campbell is – He's an Ohio guy. He's got roots in that state. Um, you know, not a Michigan man per se, but someone who, and this is, so let me back up. Let's debunk, like not debunk, but I want to redefine what Michigan, Michigan man means from a Michigan perspective. Because I think a lot of people, you know, Harbaugh is the quintessential, quintessential Michigan man. I think a lot of people see that term and think, oh, they're looking for someone with ties to the university, which given who Ward Manuel's hired to coach the hockey team and the basketball program, I suppose there's merit to that. But when they say Michigan man, I think what they mean is that someone who is going to be good in the community, someone who's going to do things the right way, so to speak, and not pretty much not embarrass the university. You know, so they're not, when I see people talk about Hugh Freeze or Urban Meyer, or pretty much any of those guys from the South, that's a non-starter here. Like, that's just not going to happen. Um, so I think someone who fits that mold would be a Matt Campbell. And I think that, I don't have, again, I don't have inside info, but people who are close to him, people who have followed kind of his rise through the ranks, um, started at Mount Union, wound up at Toledo, obviously at Iowa State now. People think that this would be a job that would have his ear. Now, Certain people would argue against that. I think it was Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports said he's not interested. Again, taken with a grain of salt. The national media doesn't quite have you know the same pulse on it. That they got Harbaugh dead wrong. 
Well, it, yeah, they were all saying he wasn't coming. Sure. Ian yeah. Ra- Ian Rappaport said that was ridiculous. And, and Yeah, Gil Brandt said that they were looking at David Cutcliffe, yeah, and that's the I famous one. <laughs> Gil Brandt's like 138 years old. I know. I, I, I mean, he's got to dictate those tweets. But anyway. Yeah, I think that Matt Campbell would fit the mold uh, in terms of what you get out of him is a guy who his teams, they play, they play hard. And he's a young, I think he's 41, so he's a young, energetic guy. Um, there's probably some juice there. And, and he's turned down, I think he turned down Florida State. So he's, ter- he's been willing to turn down some of these bigger jobs that have come open because um, he's waiting for that right fit. I do think he would like to probably be, um, based on what I've read, what I've heard, you'd probably like to be at one of those big you know, Midwestern schools like a Notre Dame, like Michigan, or if Ohio State ever came open, um, you know, something like that, which I don't see happening now. The thing about Matt Campbell is that, and people ask, well, why do you want him? He's, he's never won anything at Iowa State. People don't understand. Like, I think this is year four or five for him at Iowa State. If they beat Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game, which, again, we'll see what happens, but they beat him once this year already. That's the first conference title that Iowa State has won in football since 1912. Which, and we're talking about Iowa, Iowa State. Like, that's a program where they've been, throughout their history, Kansas level bad, Rutgers level bad. Um, and what you see from him is a guy that usually takes, um, based on recruiting rankings and a metric called SP Plus, his teams usually outperform their recruiting rankings by about 15 to 20 spots, which that's, if you're going to beat Ohio State, you have to win with less talent than them. And he's beaten Oklahoma. He's beaten Texas, which again, Texas isn't what they've been, but they still recruit by rankings, which that does. Recru- Let's just, can we dunk, can we say this too? Re- recruiting rankings matter. If you're looking to be a team that competes for college football playoff spots and things like that, um, you have to, like most teams that get to the playoff have usually stacked up consecutive top 10, top five classes. And that's why, you know, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma kind of have a, a monopoly on all of this right now. Um, so, again, you're looking at a school like Michigan, what it's going to take to beat Ohio. And again, anyone you hire, you can't, at this point, you can't bring them in with the assumption they're going to win the Big Ten and beat Ohio State because they haven't beaten Ohio State since 2011, the Luke Fickle year, and they haven't won the Big Ten since 2004. So, anyone you bring in, that's, the, that's what you hope to get to. That's what you're building to. But I don't know if that can necessarily be the expectation. Ever? You can't ever expect to win you, the Big You Ten? should expect. Michigan, Year four for whoever they hire? Michigan, with the resources it has, should expect that. But you can't expect, like, at this, like I said, home run hires, it's not going to happen. I'm talking more the fans um, than the university. Like, Ward Manuel, the Michigan Athletic Department, whoever's helming that, should hold them to the standard that he holds all of his other pro- like Michigan, the sports, the other sports are pretty consistently competing for Big Ten titles. Really, the only sport that doesn't, or one of the only sports that doesn't, is what happens to be the flagship sport of your school. What it's going to take is kind of a special, it's going to be the culmination of what maybe is a special guy that you get lucky with and a special group of guys that are able to ch- turn the tide. and. Uh, like I said, I think when you look at what Matt Campbell's done in terms of his team's outperforming the talent he's bringing in, that's probably your best shot at doing that. But again, it's almost like I get, 
I'm getting weirded out by that being the guy that everyone wants now because six Decembers ago, everyone wanted the guy they have now. So, and that's, that doesn't mean it's related, but like I said, when people talk about Matt Campbell, I do think that he would probably be the most, the most qualified guy, the, the guy that probably checks the most boxes for Michigan and that I think would make the most fans happy. Yeah, and he's a weird-looking guy, so he would fit in in Ann Arbor, too. But, uh, so, sorry, but, you know, this is the Michigan State space. But, That's okay. Uh, <laughs> I know. You have a brand. It's yeah, cool. Yeah, right, right, right. I have to – I bring the Michigan guy out. I have to cater to buy half of the, the I always want. No, but the, the name that no one's talking about, and I, this is like the hottake.com, but I'm glad his stock is so low right now because I would actually be afraid of him, is P.J. Flagg. Minnesota is terrible this year. Mm -hmm. This is a weird year for a lot of uh, programs. Penn State, I mean, is there a bigger and better example than Penn State? Right. James Franklin, I'm not a big fan of his. I think he's kind of overrated going into this year. Now maybe not so much, but, like, he's not this bad. That program's not this bad. I'm glad that P.J. Fleck is down because that's what I think Michigan needs, kind of like that. And and Matt Campbell's kind of cut from that cloth, too. Mm -hmm. Younger, energetic. I think that's what they need. The difference would be that uh, Matt Campbell doesn't read everybody poops to his team to get them motivated. No, that's fair. There are some key. (laughs) There's some key distinctions there. But no, honestly, I don't know where they go, and I I think it's a fair question to say if not Harbaugh, then who? Because as you mentioned, that was the home run hire. Mm -hmm. That was the the cannonball uh, shot into the universe, and it hasn't worked. But I, I, it's weird. I mean, you know. I said the same thing to, to your co-host and a good friend of mine, Chris Castelletti. I think I kind of believe in Michigan's potential more than you do. Just the institution and the infrastructure and anybody with deep pockets. I still think the right... Everything is there in place for yeah, that. Why can't they? We've like, seen Michigan State with half the resources do it. Yeah. You know, I, I think it can be done. I just don't know where they go. And, and you know, it, it's... These next couple of days are interesting. Signing day is what, the 16th? I mean, runs the 16th through the 18th. 16th yep. through the 18th. So, I mean, not everyone listens to this live, but I mean, you know, today as we speak, it's what, the 8th. So, mm-hmm. you know, whenever you're checking this episode out, it's about a week away. And they still have this instability. I, I just, I don't know what to make of it. I, I, I'm lost. You've at least helped me kind of understand why it's gone wrong. Yeah. But even you, for all your Michigan wisdom, you can't make sense of this, and I don't think it's any inadequacy on your part. I think it's because there's no sense to be made of it because it doesn't make sense. It's it's it feels like it's cosmic, like it wasn't meant to be. Like there yes. is no there's and like I said, I have there's a number of things that I, like I said, it's been like a thousand paper cuts where it just kind of builds to that point um, where things just pile on and pile on. With those Ohio State games probably being, you know. Um, the key, you know, a lot of people will say that that Michigan State game in 2015 was a red flag, but honestly, and not taking the moment away, it was one of the craziest, I won't call it a fluke play, but one of the craziest plays in the history of the sport. It happened, but I, it, it didn't affect their ceiling the rest of the year. They still won 10 games and things like that. Michigan State would go on to win the playoffs. So that's one of those things where you talk about cosmically speaking, it was meant to be for them that year. Um, the quarterback stuff baffles me. I really do think that uh, maybe the biggest thing and something we haven't talked about yet is the license that he's given his coordinators to just do their thing. And a lot of people called for that early on where, oh, he needs to get his fingerprints, you know, he needs to get, get his fingers out of the offense, 
give it to a young and upcoming guy. He does that with Josh Geddes. Josh Geddes totally looks in over his head. They don't know what they want to be. They have, it seems like they have, you know, an advantage on the edge when they try to use those guys. They still try to hurl guys into the line of scrimmage for a gain of one or two yards on first down. It's, they, they don't know what they are on that side of the ball. Defensively, I mean, uh, a guy that works for our site, Steven Ostentoski, uh, he does these film breakdowns, and he says about Don Brown, Don Brown schemes around the best version of his players as opposed to scheming around what their weaknesses are. And I think that's kind of a program thing for Michigan. I think that, and I think this Michigan State game this year was a huge example of this, is that um, instead of adjusting to the game that was happening in front of you, they tried playing the game that they thought they could play because they blew out Michigan State last year. They knew that was, you know, Michigan State lost to Rutgers the week before. I think there was a lot of hubris there in terms of how that game played out in that, well, we're just going to keep getting after it. Eventually, they'll break because they're Michigan State. They're not good. They're rebuilding. And that's the type of attitude, to me, that has led to a lot of where we're at today. And going back to the coordinators, at the end of the day, Jim Harbaugh hired Don Brown in 26, like, which up really, honestly, objectively speaking, up until that Ohio State game in 2018, was a good hire for Michigan. But all that Jim Harbaugh really did when DJ Durkin left for Maryland was say, hey, I want. Who's who's the guy that had the best defense in the country in 2015? Do a little Google search. Don Brown. Okay, I'm going to bring him in. And it worked for those first couple years. And then that Ohio State game in, really, maybe the first red flag there was the Penn State game in 2017, but most definitely the Ohio State game in 2018. If you want to chalk that up to a lot, there are a lot of programs, and maybe Urban Meyer is a guy like that. Some, you know, Nick Saban, Davo Swinney would be, you know, if something like that 2018 Ohio State game happened to them, you're out of here. But with Michigan, I think it was, ah, that was a blip on the radar. And then the Wisconsin game happens last year. The first half of that Penn State game happens last year. The Ohio State game happens again, though people will argue that that spiraled out of control because of execution. Um, It's just, if, I think they're, one of their biggest problems, and, and part of the reason why their defense is cratered this year is because I think they had a chance to move on from Don Brown after last year and didn't, and that was silly of them. And not only did they keep Don Brown, they lose one of their best recruiters in Chris Partridge. They lose an up-and-coming guy in their department in Devin Bush Sr. They go down to uh, join uh, Lane Kiffin at Old Miss, and you bring them in with guys who, you know, Brian Jean Mary, who had been a defensive coordinator before, but again, the linebackers have looked terrible this year. Bob Shoup, who is a former defensive coordinator, isn't even with the program right now. Uh, he's at home, like, and it might, we don't know what's going on there. It might be health related. So I don't want to pile on that higher, but it hasn't worked. Um, you know, the license that Jim Harbaugh has given his coordinators, you know, he's a very loyal, loyal guy, but he has made changes when he's had to. It's one of the things, you know, people talk about how he's such a stubborn guy. I do think when changes need to be made, They've, they made it offensively. They, they moved on from Tim Drevno. They went with Josh Gaddis. But then here's Gaddis, too, where basically they hired him with a last-minute phone call to pull him away from Maryland and, join, and joining Mike Loxley. So it's like you've given license to guys who are not holding up their end of the deal. And at a, at a certain point, six years into that, if you want to change coordinators after year three, year four, I get it. 
After year six, you're completely culpable for that. And I think that's a big reason why we are where we are right now. And I, I think him being back, if that is the case, as you're predicting, it has to be conditional on massive changes to that assistance. Yeah. I mean, you agree with that, right? It'll happen by default because I think six of those guys are up. Um, and a couple of the guys, a couple of those guys you want back. Ed Warner is one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. Michigan's offensive line hasn't been great this year, but they've been playing. They lost four guys to the NFL, and they've been playing freshmen and true freshmen. Or, um, I'm sorry, redshirt freshmen and, two, and true freshmen due to injuries. I can give that guy a free pass because you know what? Those guys will probably be pretty good next, good to pretty good next year. Everyone else, I mean, the quarterbacks coach, Josh McDaniels, brother, Ben McDaniels. Um, Jay Harbaugh, his son is coaching the running backs. He's not going to fire his son. I, he might this isn't dra- is draft day. Yeah. This guy's fired his dad. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, changes need to be made. Uh, Don Brown, you're gone. Um, defensive line. Do you, so, Greg, this is the other thing. Greg Madison leaves for Ohio State in 2018, after that game in 2018, which is kind of salt in the wound of what happened anyways. They haven't had a true defensive tackle commit since Greg Madison left. Their defensive talent is just not what I remember it from the first half of the Harbaugh run. I mean, yeah. you see like Rashawn Gary. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I know he came in the Peppers, right? I mean, Peppers was a Hoke guy. Yeah. But just the, the personnel does not instill any fear at all, whereas before it did. And I know the recruiting rankings have been overall strong. And you yeah. mentioned that. I'm just not seeing it manifest on the field. So whether they just were overrated prospects or if the development player, hasn't been there. Player development has been a problem. Something's is, missing. This probably goes into what is the other thing that's kind of where we are today is that the 2017 class was, I mean, that was the um, Donovan Peoples-Jones class. They had a five-star defensive tackle commit in Aubrey Solomon. You go through and you look at all of the guys, I think half that class never made it to their senior year at Michigan due to either going to the NFL transferring out, not being able to retain them. And the guys, again, a lot of the guys, a lot of these four-star guys, which that's when you're a program like Michigan, yeah, the five-stars are great. You expect them to be good. The four-star guys that they've hit on or that they haven't hit on has been a big problem too. So I think really across the board, um, the recruiting hasn't been great in a couple key areas. And really where their deficiencies are this year, defensive tackle cornerback has been terrible the last couple of years. Um, again, it's just, there are, there are problems. It goes back to this. When there are this many problems in year six, I don't know what the pitch is from the Harbaugh side of things to justify the extension that he thinks he probably deserves. And I'm not saying he's wrong in asking for that because if you're the guy, pick a direction and let him be the guy, let him fix it. It just, it feels like everything that's going on right now is frankly half-assed and a bit of a half measure your podcast your first episode that i listened to this season was the one before the michigan state game so you're fresh off that minnesota win (laughs) chest is out (sighs) you guys were unanimous in your position as all of america was i'm not picking on you yeah (laughs) that like michigan state had no chance in that game sure and honestly like i've listened to every episode you guys have done post game since and it's been like this slow descent. It's like every stage of grief. <laughs> At first you were mad, and then it's like denial. And now you're kind of like, oh, yeah, fuck it. Matt Campbell, let's go eight and four. I mean, who cares? But you are at the accepted state. It is, it's just 
you know, you guys have good content. I don't listen to it just for the pure show, show it and pride of that. But, you know, it's. I wouldn't it's, blame you if you did. It, I, I'm not saying that's <laughs> not a part of it at all. But, you know, you and Chris, I actually like having a perspective that's rational because, like, we talked about it a little bit before the show. My fan base is nuts. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people that interact with me in our fan base hate me. There was a, a case where a kid that was, I'm not going to name him, he's like 17 years old, but it was a recruit that had committed to uh, Michigan State a few months uh, into the offseason, a uh, cornerback guy from Florida. And he was trash-talking Michigan on Twitter and, and basically insinuating that it was a guarantee they were going to win Paul Bunyan back and you know just wait until U of M sees what we got for him. And I had a tweet out there just just saying like, Hey, can everyone calm down? Like they just beat us by 500 points the last time we played them. Like, can we just tone it down? Didn't call him a name or anything. The guy's a kid, but it's just everyone was embracing this recruit who later reneged on his recruitment and ended up going to South Florida instead. But it's like <laughs> our fan base is so uh, toxic in its own way. And if you are even a rational person, your own people hate you. So I respect what you and Chris Castellani is the same way. You know, good friend of mine, good friend of the show has been on here your descent into madness and then eventually <laughs> acceptance has been interesting to see. Um, but I just want to say, I mean, I respect what you've done this year. I respect your honesty. You are one of the good ones in your fan base and one of the rational ones in your fan base. I appreciate that. And I, I'll also shout out, you know, Luke, Luke Giardi, who is, yes. he, I have given him full reign into taking the reins and keeping us on track and, and, and kind of steering that ship there. Because I think if it was just now me and Chris are doing basketball podcast on Sunday nights into Monday. Now that's a little happier to talk about, but when things have been as charged as they have with football, cooler heads have needed to prevail. And I think he does a great job in, in helming, you know, helming that show as well. So I would shout him out. And the thing I'll say, I mean, um, it wasn't planned like this, but all three of us are, I know I poked fun at CMU earlier, but, all three of us are guys that didn't go to Michigan, but, you know, grew up Michigan fans. I mean, I'll be transparent about it. I grew up in a house where my dad rooted for Michigan and Michigan state because he didn't go to either school. He just wanted to watch, just wanted to watch a good product. And I always gravitated, gravitated more to Michigan, but I do think that that always helped me look at things objectively and, you know, say it, call for what it is. And the thing of it is, I think, a younger, a younger me and a me who ha- maybe hadn't gone through, you know, like I said, the, the, the pandemic itself has added several layers of perspective to, you know, what ultimately is a silly game. Um, I'm really proud of how we've, and, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but I'm proud of how we've handled that as a show. I'm happy how we've handled it as a site. And I think that uh, despite how terrible this year has gone, I think that we've put out some of the best stuff that we've ever put out because of that, because like we care and we're not, you know, it's, it's okay to care and identify problems. I think that's the healthiest thing you can do. Um, especially when it comes to something like this. So, you know, I'll say this, if Jim Harbaugh is back, we're, we'll be rooting like hell for that guy to succeed. But if he doesn't hold up his end of the deal, we, we talk about and we'll do the things that we'll discuss. And like I said, I'm, I haven't been at games this year because attendance has been limited, but I would never, I would never say anything and we would never say anything that would jeopardize, you know, the, the access that we've been given to the program, things like that. So I, like I said, 
that means, you know, from an opposing fan base, that means the world to hear you say that. Oh, no problem. And I, and I do mean it. And that's partly why you're here. I mean, I, I've enjoyed, <laughs> I've enjoyed your show throughout the entire season. And I, I do I have to admit, I hear the world's smallest violin playing in the background, like for some of these episodes, because you guys are just, you did an episode, I think you were solo. I don't know if it was even like the show or if it was just you doing a reaction, mm-hmm. but it was 20 minutes of you saying, I got nothing for you. I don't know what to tell you. You want, you want answers? I don't have them. Like it was just, I, it was so relatable because yeah, it's how I, I felt after every final four loss. If I have to go this. back, roll back in the, the memory Rolodex here, that feels like a Wisconsin postgame podcast. Yeah, so. I, I, I couldn't say they, they all kind of blend together in the one melancholy rant. Yeah. Like it's just, it's been a crazy season. And, you know, Michigan State is having like the same kind of shitty results, but it's just with such a different frame of mind and expectation yeah. that like, we're thrilled with our two fun wins, and it's like we thought we might go winless after the first week. So. Well, that's that's the thing, too, is that I think what frustrates a lot of Michigan fans is that you can make the argument. I don't know if I necessarily feel this way, but you can make the argument that the two wins that Mel Tucker and Michigan State have this year are two bigger program-building wins in terms of selling a vision, selling what you can be, than Jim Harbaugh has had since 2015. Or 2016, if you want to go back. Two more wins as an underdog than, than Harbaugh has, and they were both as huge underdogs. It yeah. wasn't a, a three-point spread. So, yeah, I agree. I, I'm going to get you out of here in terms of the Harbaugh stuff. We do a fun little thing. We call it the speed round. Okay. This is a little lighter. You can sit back, take a breath. You don't have to worry anymore about the Michigan Jim Harbaugh deep dive. Oh, good. I've been living in that for several weeks. I know, I know. You gotta you gotta do a podcast on like cats or something to give yourself a mental break. So we're gonna rip through. It's not word association. You can say, you know, one to three sentences on each thing. Just kind of your reaction. Some will be questions, some are just gonna be a name or a topic. Okay. Kind of your stance, what you think on them. We'll start first up, a familiar name in our circle. Coach. Mark D'Antonio. Thoughts on him. Uh, Respect the hell out of what he was able to do there. Um, And I will also say some of it was maybe precipitated by the fact that Michigan was down, but I don't think no one has to apologize for that. And they shouldn't apologize for that. Um, So yeah, I I respect, hate him, respect (laughs) the hell out of him. (laughs) Yeah. That's the ultimate compliment, right? (laughs) <laughs> well said. All right, moving on to your side of the aisle, John Beeline, former Michigan basketball coach. I mean, as far as as far as that goes, I mean, you could put a statue up of him right next to Bo Schembechler, and it would it would be. I think he's every bit as important to modern success in athletics for Michigan. Uh, John Beeline was. I mean, given how they recruited, just a total total class act. Did it the right way and didn't come out of it with a national title, but was never expected to, so to speak. So love that guy. I don't know any Spartans that hate him, which is bizarre because we're so inclined <laughs> to go that way. But uh, Michigan State fans respect him. One of the best five to seven tacticians when he was active in college basketball for my money. So, yep, I like John Beeline. This will be a little more sadness for you. Ben is editorializing with the image of Appalachian State. Not to prejudice you. The most painful Michigan loss, which one – just was really hard for you to take that had you up nights. It wasn't even OSU 2016. OSU 2018 was, I think, the lowest, the low point. Nothing has hurt quite as much as that one did. Um, Michigan State this year is probably up there uh, because they had no business losing that game. Um, and that's, 
that might be that actually might be the one given what happened the week before. So not yeah, not to correct you on your own answer, but I was surprised that you said 2018 Ohio State because as a person that's been on the wrong end of a lot of shitty blowouts, mm-hmm. I will say as bad as they are, they don't have me tossing and turning. Like the things that kill me are Butler 2010, no yeah. foul called on Draymond Green, you know, with the Gordon Hayward play. Like we're one play this way or that way makes the difference between a title and, and yeah. nothing. But yeah, I mean, that's certainly a good answer going into that. The revenge tour, that was a, a major punch in the nuts. That was so sure. surprising, too. I mean, it's stunning. And no you, one... you mentioned it earlier. Michigan was favored in that game. Mm-hmm. It's just spectacular. In hindsight, it seems like, oh, of course, Ohio State blew them out. In the moment, that was a, a shocking result. Yep. But anyway, moving on. Favorite Michigan athlete ever. <sighs> Happier topic for you. Uh, I mean, the first right off, it's, it's Trey Burke. I mean, the guy. Elevated the John Beeline era to that next level, and really, I think you can make the argument, set Michigan up to where it is today in terms of being a program that's seen as, um, you know, everything that happened in that last, you know, five years of the John Beeline era is setting up what Jawan Howard's been able to do now. So it's, it's Trey Burke, and it's, I don't think it's close. What a perfect segue to the next one. Ben is clapping like a seal in the control room, I can already <laughs> tell. Next one. What if they don't call the foul on Trey Burke on Peyton Siva in the 2013 title game? What happens in that game? The block was clean. I'll just say that right Everybody now. agrees with that. <laughs> I've never heard anyone argue otherwise. The picture's right there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> for those that are watching. I mean, it, uh, a quick, quick, very quick breakdown. About five minutes left that game. Louisville, I think, was up by two or three. Mm-hmm. Fast break, layup. Trey Burke cleanly blocks Peyton Siva. Uh, Siva, whatever, and they call foul, makes the free throws. It, it did change the, the feel of that game. What happens if they don't call that foul, which I think we can agree was an erroneous foul call? Yeah, I think there was, I mean, a lot of people, that didn't happen as late in the game as a lot of people seem to right. recollect that being. I mean, I think there were still five or six minutes It was minutes about five left. minutes left, yep. yeah. Yeah, um, that was a huge momentum-changing call, um, especially after everything that led up to that point. Um, you know, it's in my heart. I want to say Michigan wins, but no. Like I said, at the end of the day, Louisville still found a one to win that. Still found a way to win that game. So it probably still happens, but uh, maybe it hurts a little bit less. It's one of those. If you're a Michigan fan, you really want to walk through that door, even if you can just peek through and see it once. What would have happened? Because it's like the momentum of you know you make this huge play. We've seen it happen in basketball. With, you know, Tayshawn Prince with the block yeah. and LeBron James. It's like. It's kind of like in hockey when there's a huge hit and you just lay out a guy. Yeah. It, there is, like, who knows what happens right after that? Like, if Michigan comes down and hits a two or a three, now you're looking at a five point swing and now they have the lead. Yeah, there's no way to know. It's not as simple as, oh, the block happens and that changes the outcome. Like, it's if you're someone who, some of these string theory and multiverse people will tell you, you know, it has ripple effects everywhere after that. So, yeah. it's, a, it's a crazy butterfly effect. But as a Michigan fan, that would torture me almost as much as the Spartan nation is tortured by an actual end of the game blown call or no call in this case, Gordon Hayward in 2010 against Draymond Green. But we're not here to torture me. We're here to torture you. <laughs> so last one, true or false, Michigan makes the college football playoff by 2025. I think I know where you're going based on our conversation. This was prepped before I heard how cynical you were. Uh, is Jim Harbaugh getting an extension? <laughs> that, that's not part of you. Whoever it is, whether it's Elmo or Jim Harbaugh, 
I'm not sure if they'll get to indie by 2025. So by default, that's that's a prerequisite. That's yeah. Unless yeah, no, I don't think so. The answer Sorry. is no. It is a a depressing time, and I think my biggest takeaway from this is you agree that Michigan has absolutely no idea what they're doing, or if they do, they're doing a piss poor job of showing it. <laughs> and my other takeaway is. I believe in the program more than you do. And I, I'm surprised by that. But, you know, I think I, I get being beaten down because you should have seen the shows I was doing the last year at Mark D'Antonio. I was like, please retire. Got yeah. the guy over my wall. I love him. You know, I got a candle where he's portrayed as a saint. I mean, we were getting into almost creepy territory <laughs> with my love and affection for one Mark D'Antonio. And even I was I was done. Sometimes It's just time sometimes. It is. It's just time. That's where I think Michigan's at. If it were me, I would want him gone. I wouldn't hate him. Hey, thanks for some nice success stabilizing the program for a minute. You're a legend. That's the key, stabilizing the program. I mean, people who – it's it's Rich Rod Hoke level bad right now, but I think people who – people have really severely under understated how – listen, I mean, if you're sitting here as a Michigan fan in 2010, 2011 saying, hey – Ten years from now, you'll be coming off a five-year stretch where you won ten games, I think, three times, won eight games once, and won nine games another year. I think people would be like, oh, please, God, yes. So, like I said, I, I don't – if this is the end of the Jim Harbaugh era, I don't know if that's the case or not. It feels like it to me. I think the next guy is probably, you know I, – I, it's hard to say because Harbaugh comes in that first year, wins ten games with – a team that went five and seven the year before with an Iowa transfer quarterback. So it's hard to say, um, but yeah, it's uh, he has stabilized the program. I don't think it, again, we talked about the, how it echoes a relationship thing. Sometimes it's just, it's just time. It doesn't have to be ugly on either side. You just, you go your separate ways. He's happy. We move on. Let's, you know, sometimes that's just the way it is. I, but I think, I think a lot of Mich- a lot of Michigan State people, I feel like wanted D'Antonio gone after 2018. You can correct me on that. Oh yeah, it was picking up and more and more each year. I think the big thing was we wanted him to stay if he was going to make the requisite changes to yeah. the staff, and if he wasn't, then leave. And when it became apparent that he was just going to play Yahtzee and put yeah. all of his assistant coaches in a jar, shake them <laughs> up. And then roll them on the table. You're the quarterbacks coach. Yeah, you're, you're the, the. It's like <laughs> that. Once that became the clear mo in the direction of the program, then it was like, look, I'll be there for the christening of the statue. I'll, I'll get a nice bottle of Smuggler's Son and break it across it in honor of it. I'll christen yeah. it. But you got to go. Yeah. So that and that's where I was. It's like stay if you're going to make the changes. But if you don't have it in you to make the changes, then you got to go. So that's where we were. And it's similar. You're at your wits end. The show's at the show's end. So we'll wrap. I just, I want to say thank you for coming. I know you had a little bit of a drive. SB Nation's Anthony Broom. <laughs> I hope you'll come back. I hope that you will not take my Matt Campbell fits in in Ann Arbor because he's weird looking. Take uh, too close to your heart and uh, you'll, you'll come Look back. Look at the three us. of us that do a show every week. That's kind of our brand is weird looking Michigan men. So uh, I think you're a little uh, less odd looking than Matt Campbell. <laughs> but, so, <laughs> I'll take I, it. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll wrap there. But thank you to everyone for watching. And want a quick shout out to our man, Ben Augusta, who is running the board on the other side of me here. We have a wonderful control room. And he is just plugging away, working his ass off the man. Just He has no limits to his ability and, and effort and what he's put into this. So thanks to him. 
And thank you again to our guest, Anthony Broom, who, again, you are welcome anytime, my friend. Bring the Michigan rational take because we need it. <laughs> you and Chris Castellani, it's a conveyor belt of rationality. And that fan base is not known for that. And frankly, neither is mine. So it's refreshing. It was great to have you. Oh, I appreciate that. You talk, we talk for you know an hour and a half about surrounding yourself, coaching staff surrounding himself with good guys. Uh, I've got great guys around me, and that gives me the license to do what I do. So anytime. I'm Listen, I haven't left my zip code in what feels like months. So to, to be out here, it's I'll come anytime. I appreciate it. And tell my buddy Chris Castellani I said hello. He refuses to do the show. He's like boycotting it right now. <laughs> so you are the only one that gets to whine and dine on the air with him. He's a good guy. Special thanks to our audience. Our graphic designer, Eric Williamson, is awesome. Hopefully he's in his boxers on his couch watching this. Uh, it's been uh, a fun show. We have a great one coming up two days from today. For those listening tomorrow, it'll be tomorrow, Thursday of this week, December 10th. Mike Stone, 97.1, the ticket, joining us. This is a guy that I have wanted across from me for years. He is a Detroit radio legend. He is a guy that I have made fun of a lot over the years. Uh, We are going to unearth some old tweets from when I was making fun of him, and he is going to call me a jackass. So that should be interesting. I like guests that come after me because sometimes I deserve it. And Mike Stone is not going to be pulling any punches. So if you like seeing me get clobbered, uh, catch that show on Thursday because Mike Stone's bringing it from what I hear. So Justin Spiro, Spiro Avenue Show. We'll see you in a couple days. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks again to Anthony. Thanks to all you out there for watching. Our sponsors, Smuggler's Son, get yourself a bottle. I'm going to send our good friend Anthony home with one. There you go. He said he likes a good red. Enjoy it. Take it home. Enjoy every glass. Thank you to Imagine Theaters. This has been the Spiro Avenue Show. We will see you in a couple days with Mike Stone.